I have room full of students. They're all individuals. They all have different neurology experience aptitudes. So why would I feel compelled to have them all do exactly the same thing in exactly the same way? Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, I've been thinking about this podcast for literally months. I've been waiting for a time for us to have this conversation. And my lead-in is a little long, so I'm just going to say right out the gate, what we're talking about today is what would motivate teens to want to do better in school. I hope you're not going to say candy. We are definitely not going to say candy. <laughs> so what would motivate teens to do better in school? And this was an article that was actually featured in Education Week, which is a big educational publication that I subscribe to and, you know, just kind of keeping my fingers on the pulse of what's going on in education, the field of education, as we should always be mindful of. But what I thought about when I saw this particular article wasn't initially about what to do to motivate teens. It was more about, I would love for IEW (laughs) to be featured sometime in Education Week. And it reminded me of a song, Andrew, that you and I grew up with in the 70s. Seriously? Yes. You ready? Uh, It's called The Cover of the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. And this was a song written by... Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. And the song is all about, well, I'll read you some of the lyrics. Want to see my picture on the cover, Stone. Want to buy five copies for my mother, yeah. Want to see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone. And the whole idea is, of course, he wanted to be in this publication that was the rock and roll, you know, magazine. And eventually he did get published. He did get his cover on the Rolling Stone, but it was more of a caricature. So I'm hoping that we will have a legitimate opportunity to truly talk to educators across the United States and around the world about what we're doing here at IEW. But in the meantime, we'll just do a podcast on this article that is featured in Education Week. So the question is, what motivates teens to want to do better in school? And the answer is simply this a chance to redo assignments. And I love this because we give teachers an opportunity to do just that, and you demonstrate that in Structure and Style for Students, all levels, but in particular level C. So without saying anything more about that, Andrew, can you tell me how we give teens the opportunity to redo assignments? Well, it is, of course, interesting to contemplate How did we get to where we are with profoundly unmotivated teens? It's true. (laughs) right? Why why are so many teenagers in school, Mm -hmm. number one, hating it, number two, 
generally doing poorly on a broad statistical scale. Mm -hmm. Number three, just in a world of ambivalence and complacency, pretty much about anything pertaining to academics or learning or all that. I'm how did we get here? Sure. Well, I don't know that I can answer that question, but I will talk a little bit about the research okay. and some of the options that they gave. Basically, they sent out a survey to over a thousand students. So okay. it was just a kind of a random selection of students, and they were given 20 options. Some of the options included providing more feedback, offering more hands-on experience, assigning more schoolwork on topics that are relevant and interesting to them. Those those were some of the top, top answers. Things like make it funny, make it more uh, engaging, you know, those kind of things. But the number one thing was that the students wanted an opportunity to be able to redo the assignments, basically learn from their mistakes and have an opportunity to do better. They wanted to show that they were capable of doing better on the assignment. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, isn't that what we would all like? Yes. In life? Yes. Like once and done, it's kind of a scary thing. You know, I think I think of even something as simple as computer games, you know. <laughs> You've got a couple lives. And oh, well, live... yeah. The whole thing is built on, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to die and fail and be <laughs> miserable for months until you finally beat the thing. And then you're going to have this explosion of dopamine and serotonin. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can understand how that would be the most appealing thing on that list. Yes. You know, most teenagers are going to, oh, if I just had more help, I'd be happier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to go. So when you first give students in the Structure and Style for Students, year one level C, their assignments, you tell them how you are going to grade their papers. Yes. So describe your grading scale. Only two grades, A or I. And the A doesn't mean whatever it means to some people, superior or better than someone else. Mm-hmm. It just means accomplished right. or accepted. Mm-hmm. Like you did the assignment and you checked all the boxes and you checked all of the punctuation and mechanics and you did it the way it's supposed to be done it gets an A. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. It's a, You've accomplished the thing. Now, if you were to take two papers that both got an A by the system, you would certainly notice qualitative differences between them. Mm-hmm. But especially in writing, it's so subjective. Right. How do you get away from that? Mm-hmm. How do you get away from, well, I just like this better, mm-hmm. or I just think this is more interesting Yeah, how do you accomplish that for the teacher? You have to be a mind reader. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why we do it. And then I stands for incomplete. Mm -hmm. You're not finished yet. Right. And I will give you as much help as you need to be able to get an A. Mm -hmm. Like everyone can get an A. There's nothing that would prevent you from getting an A. In fact, I would even go so far as to say if I perceived that the student couldn't do the whole checklist, I'd cross a few things off the checklist, get it to the point where they could do it, and then when they do it, it's an A. But it really challenges our whole paradigm about grades Mm -hmm. and what's the whole purpose of that. Mm -hmm. And 
is it really motivating? Right. You know, those are those are complicated questions because grades have been around for over 100 years. Sure, sure. So that A or I, so the student gets an A, as you say, accomplished, accepted. They now have another assignment. And I think this is the thing that I really appreciate about the way we do grading in our writing system is we're using a rubric. It's very concrete. You did it or you didn't. And, you know, teachers have the option of doing points or no points. But if they were to do points, then basically you need to get 100 points or 100 percent in order for it to be an A. And anything less than that would still be an incomplete. Well, that's the way I would do it. Mm -hmm. Now, there are teachers who just can't. The big problem with that is if you, you know, have one little thing wrong, one dress up missing. And you decide, okay, I'm going to kick that back to the student, say, you're missing something, put it in, Mm -hmm. resubmit. Well, if that happened once, now and then, it wouldn't be a problem. Right. But what if it's happening with a lot of students? Or what if you point out the things that are missing and they think they fixed it, they turn it in again, but there's still something missing. Right. You kick it back a second time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there could be some students you're kicking it back a third time. Mm -hmm. So now you've got a classroom full of students and some people are on their second, got to turn this in. Some people may be on their third, got to turn this in. Meanwhile, you got new assignments. Well, that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep track of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teachers will complain. But then I say, you didn't sign up to be a teacher because you want an easy life. <laughs> and that's not the goal here. Right, right. But I understand why some teachers would say, well, you know, if you get 92% of the things on the checklist, it's still an A. Sure. Or 90 or whatever, you know, the arbitrary number is. Sure. And then you kind of start going downhill from there because pretty soon, well, there's only 87%. Okay, so what's that? Mm -hmm. Is that a B? Mm -hmm. Or is that the point where you kick it back and say, well, you got to get at least 93% of the things on the checklist? Yes. I mean, 100% is pretty Mm hard-nosed. Tell your story about Dr. Webster. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, I'd... Started going up to Gruard. I went up a couple times, and they said, "Well, if you're going to keep coming up here, you can help us teach this thing." Mm-hmm. So Gruard I became, is Alberta, Canada. Yeah, I became Webster's assistant, slave, protege, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so he made me teach a unit. Sure. And then after I taught the unit, he said, "Well, you're going to do the assignment you gave everybody." Okay. Right. Good job. Yeah. And I wasn't planning. On no. doing that, I said, well, I have other tasks that I was planning to do. And mm-hmm. he just pushed it. No, you should do it. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to do? So I knew that I had absolutely to get it perfect. I had to get every dress up, every opener, follow the rules, decorations, triples, you know, format. Like I had to be sure that if I did this, it was going to be mm-hmm. perfect, sure, complete, 100%. Mm-hmm. So I spent hours. This is like a three-paragraph story. And mm-hmm. I'm working, working, working. I finally think, okay, I got it. 
I gave it to him. And he gave it back to me. And he wrote 98%. Oh, no. what? Yes. What? And he said, well, you didn't put the date on the paper. I'm like, (laughs) date on the paper? That's so stupid. (laughs) But, you know, in retrospect, Mm -hmm. it was right there Mm -hmm. on the checklist. Name and date on paper. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I had missed a point of... Being careful, yes. being meticulous. Yes. And I guess it was maybe a good lesson because I've never forgotten it. And that was 20, probably 20 years ago. Yes. And I love what you say to the students in the class. And you've said it here on a podcast a couple times. Check what you do. And do what you check because some kids would write it and just be like, okay, and just check everything off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not actually use the checklist the way it's supposed to be used. Exactly. Yep. You know, and I didn't I didn't go so far as to say it, but I have thought one reason why it's worth being so strict, mm-hmm. going to that one hundred percent. And you just redo it till you get a hundred percent. And there's no there's no it's good enough mm-hmm. because Think of all the things in the world where good enough isn't actually good enough, right? Exactly. It's, you know, we say that, oh, it's good enough. Well, I don't want to get in an airplane where the safety inspection was 93% right. done. <laughs> I want a 100%. Yep. Right? I, you look at the complexity of the world we live in and how, you know, small errors can really undermine huge projects. It's true. We really need, I think, to cultivate this realization that we can, I mean, I'm going to say be perfect, not in the sense of being without flaw or being without sin, but what I'm saying is being complete, mm-hmm. which is really the the better definition mm. of the word right. perfect. That That's what it really means right. in its original forms, is that it's complete. So... Yeah, I get parents and teachers and get a little frustrated. I Mm -hmm. get a little frustrated. But it's teaching what Mrs. Ingham would have called one of the intangibles. Yes. Right? Most of what teachers do that lasts isn't the transfer of information or knowledge or the – you know, specific cultivation of a skill. Whether you remember how to divide fractions or not when you're – 40 years old isn't probably going to affect your life unless Mm -hmm. you've been actually doing something that requires that skill, in which case now you still have it. But what we do get from our teachers is we get this sense of being held to a standard. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, you know, what teachers and parents and mentors are really obligated to do when you take on the office of parent or teacher or coach or mentor. Right. You're saying, I will do whatever it takes to help you reach this standard. Yep. And the standard, you know, is going to be different perhaps from teacher to teacher, coach to coach, parent to parent. That's part of just human differences. But there's that relationship that gets created and the benefits of being held to that and striving and just doing something again and again until you can do it. And that's the life lesson, isn't yep. it? Yes, exactly. Exactly. When I think about, you know, and we've talked about this before, high school and college teachers, professors are 
not as excited about assigning writing assignments because they don't want to have to grade all the papers. And so now we're adding one more thing and saying, hey, teachers, to do a really good job, you need to kick it back and have them redo it if it's not good enough. And I think, like I said, with our with the way that we grade papers, hands-off content, hands-on structure and style, we can go through a rubric and be able to grade papers pretty quickly. Webster never used the word grade. Yes, that's true. He, he never said grade papers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever heard him say. Mm-hmm. He would say mark. Yes. Mark. And that's what you got was your mark, hmm. not your grade, your mark. And, you know, he came from, I think he came from an interesting background being born and raised in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. There was an expectation of rigor that was kind of a carryover, really, from kind of the pre-industrial education model that still existed in the more rural parts of the country. His whole family, his teachers, his Mm -hmm. mother, his aunt, a bunch of other people, and they were raised up 20, 30 years before that in the late 1800s, early, early 1900s, and we can go back and look at the level of expectation that adults had for students, mm-hmm. and it kind of shocks us or frightens us today. Mm-hmm. Like it would be unreasonable to expect, you know, young teenagers to be able to learn and do all that. Yes, and yet people used to. Yes, and it was normal. Yes, and it was good for everybody. Yes, and that's how we, you know, we got people who built a country, made it, you know, strong, did tremendous amount of good in the world through personal sacrificial action. Yep. And now this idea of sacrificial action is just gone. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't want to do anything I don't have to. Well, and I'm sure you've heard this expression, Andrew, because like you, my dad was an engineer in aerospace. And this phrase, good enough for government work? Was that ever floated (laughs) around your dining room table? And how frustrated my dad was with this complacency, even even in that area. And wow, we've got satellites that are up there, thanks probably to your dad and mine, that were not just good enough for government work. They are good. Well, you're you're off even a little bit and your your satellite burns up. Yeah, well, this is true. Exactly right. So then how much was Mm -hmm. lost? How Mm -hmm. much time and investment and all that? Yep. But I, I don't know. I feel like when people can embrace this idea of you just do it until it's perfect, mm-hmm. not perfect in the sense of being beyond all criticism, but complete. Yes. And I can see why teenagers would respond to that. It's, yes. it's an innate part of humanity. Yes. And... You know, what, what's the path to happiness, right? You, you look at all these unhappy people, like 30% of Americans right now hmm. say, I'm unhappy. Hmm. Over half of people under 30 say, I'm unhappy. Hmm. Well, why? It's because they've lost this world in which the way to be happy is repentance, reform, and reapplication. Hmm. 
yeah, I messed up. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to do what I have to do, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try again. Yep. That's life. Mm-hmm. That's life. But the context for that has died out. It's died out in religion. It's died out in school. It's mm-hmm. died out in work. And you have all these people who are, what's the term, quiet quitting? Yes. Like, I'm just going to not do anything I don't want to do until they fire me. And then mm-hmm. I can go get unemployment and continue to not do anything. Yep. The real satisfaction is in doing the things you don't want to do. Yes, yes. And doing them well. Yes. And learning from that. Yes. I, so, you know, people don't, they don't want to do write papers. I don't want to write papers either. <laughs> right? But here's the checklist. Here's the method. Use your yep. keyword outline. Wrestle those words into sentences. Read what you wrote. Look at the checklist. See if you have your stuff. Check it off. Underline it. Put the numbers in the margin. Highlight the topic clinchers. All the things. I mean, even if you're going to go be an auto mechanic, I'd like you to use the checklist to mm-hmm. be sure you fixed my car so I don't have to bring it back again next week. Exactly. It, anyway, I guess I'm a little bit on a <laughs> on a high horse here. <laughs> well, and I used to say to my boys when I was homeschooling them, especially when they were teenagers, hard work is immensely satisfying. And I think we forget that. We do. If you work hard, you're going to be satisfied because you put in the effort and you're going to be able to show, yes, I worked hard at this. My- but, but a good coach, whether this is in business or mm-hmm. school or whatever, a good coach isn't just going to say, well, you, you failed here and you missed this and you right. have to redo it. Go do it. No. No. They're going to say, you know, look at all the good things. Mm-hmm. I love how you did this part and this part and this part, and you really are getting better here. And there's this other thing that you missed. Yes. Let me know if you need help. Do it again. Yes. Fix this one thing. Yes. And we'll call it good. We'll call it a step up. Yes. And, you know, the, the stairway's endless. Yes. Another song from the 70s, right? (laughs) Stairway to Heaven. Exactly, exactly. Well, teachers, if you are listening to this podcast and wondering how on earth you can achieve this high standard that, you know, we're suggesting is something that you're capable of doing, please contact our schools division. They have certainly have experience in working with other teachers, and they themselves have done this type of grading and marking and grading, and holding students to this high standard. So schools at IEW.com is the email address or just IEWschools.com. And really, this actually applies across the board. This isn't necessarily for classroom teachers. This is for co-op teachers, homeschool moms. This whole idea of helping your teens achieve success in their school work so that they can be high-functioning adults. The only thing I might add Mm -hmm. is that there's this kind of egalitarian attitude that exists in schools, that somehow it's unfair Mm -hmm. for one student to do less or more than some other student, right? So everybody's in the same grade. Everyone has to do the exact same number of worksheets or papers or assignments, and everybody has to take the exact same number of tests. And And if we don't have everybody do the same number of 
things, then somehow this is unfair mm -hmm. and this can't be tolerated. Well, Webster never had that idea. Mm -hmm. He actually had the idea that it was more important for each student to be challenged at their point of need or mm -hmm. at their point of challenge. Mm -hmm. This is an old way of thinking. This is like an Oxford-style way of thinking. This mm -hmm. is a when education wasn't standardized and conveyor beltish, mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, I have room full of students. They're all individuals. They all have different neurology experience, aptitudes. So why would I feel compelled to have them all do exactly the same thing in exactly the same way? Yep. So Webster's thought was, hey, if you've got hotshot kids and they finish an assignment and they've got their 100%, let them start another assignment. Have your box of backup source texts mm -hmm. and you're still in unit four or whatever and you've got half a dozen extra source texts and you say, go get another source text, do another assignment. Meanwhile, you know, two-thirds of the group is still working on the thing they're working on and then the next third finishes. Okay, go get your next source text. Meanwhile, the, the last third of the group is needing to do this the fourth time and you have to handhold their, mm -hmm. you know, handhold them all the way through it and point out and sit with them and then they finally get it done. Meanwhile, the top third has finished two more assignments than the bottom third. And they're proud of it. Everybody is getting what they need. Yep. They're getting challenged at the point of need. Yep. And this was Mrs. Ingham's big thing. And Webster understood this. And I think it was just this older way of thinking about education. Mm -hmm. Equality is in opportunity, mm -hmm. not in outcomes. Right. Right? Yes. And when you try to force the same outcome for everybody, then you lose both equality and freedom. And you lose the edges of your group that can't conform to that. Right. They either get frustrated, think they're bad, start hating it, tune out, or they just get bored mm -hmm. and say, what am I even doing here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we need to just break the whole paradigm of people expecting that because children are approximately the same age, they should do exactly the same thing, right. no more and no less. Right. So it's a tough one. I mean, I'd be very interested what some of our listeners think about this, especially mm -hmm. teachers in schools. Yep. I mean, are, are we just living in fantasy land? Is this totally impossible? Or is there a way that committed teachers who are willing to put in the extra energy and time can teach each student at their point of need. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk to someone who's trying to do this. Sounds great. We welcome your input. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. 
Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.